Because this is what we're also trying to figure out. We just hired a woman in Argentina, and how does she get to know a company? It's 30 people, they're all over the world, time zones as well. But we thought about like, how do we make her feel included? Like that's a big thing, inclusiveness. We have a few values, inclusiveness is one of them. And that's not just in terms of like gender or racial diversity, that's actually like, if you're not in the office, how do you feel like you're part of this? So that means in Norway, we do a lot of stuff late in the afternoon, because that's the morning of America. You know, so we're ensure that we have this overlap. We do a hackathon, we make sure that our remote people are dialing in remote and part of the hackathon and watching and feeling like they're part of it too. So we've actually built a schedule, a framework, a format for meetings, a format for introducing the culture and the values to a new employee. But we're still learning, we're still figuring it out. I'm Stephen Cummins and this is episode 79 of 14 Minutes of SaaS, the fourth installment of a five-part mini-series with Sean Percival, CMO at Whereby, formerly of 500 Startups and MySpace. Sean talks about big players in the video meeting space from WebEx to Zoom to GoToMeeting to Skype. He gets into the values of Whereby and how they've built a remote-friendly hybrid culture. He describes why their go-to-market style is similar to Slack. And we reflect a little bit on the tragedy of entrepreneurs not making enough time for the arts and reading in general. Welcome to 14 Minutes of SaaS, the show where you can listen to the stories and opinions of founders of the world's most remarkable SaaS scale-ups. Do have a competitor in the space that some people say they love as well, uh, which is which is Zoom. In fairness, and great product. It's a big market out there, plenty of space for everyone. What's what really differentiates Superion for you from from Zoom? Get this question a lot, and, and sometimes it's hard to answer. And I mean, depending who I'm talking to, usually I say, well, you know, Zoom's raised hundreds of millions of dollars, and we have not. <laughs> you know, <laughs> kind of depends. But really, what we're trying to do is we're not allowing ours to become a large, feature bloated product which is what happened to Skype, which is what happened to WebEx, what happened to so many of these products. Zoom feels like it might be going down that path. Where we want to focus in on, also Zoom is a lot like for large meetings, your town hall, your webinar format. That's not what we're about. We're about like typically one-on-one -on -one, and we're all about collaboration. So whether you're bringing in Google Docs, Trello, Slack, other things, coding together, we have lots of these integrations where we really try to thought about what's the best way to make you collaborate and actually work together. And a lot of our roots are based on remote work. We're a remote work company, so we're trying to focus in on that. So we're kind of owning that the best that we can. It's not to say that Zoom is not a good product. It's an amazing product. I mean, their execution and their quality, so, so good. Uh, but at the same time, I don't think video meeting is a winner-take-all market. I think there will always be four or five players. Because it's not just Zoom. Remember, there's Skype, there's GoToMeeting, there's BlueJeans, there's all these other products out there. And they're not small companies, you know, they all have a lot of users as well. And no one really talks about WebEx, but they're the monster. They're much bigger than Zoom. People might say they hate that as well too, but like, so to me it's not a winner take all. I think we'll all have our sort of different types of brand affinity and different use cases, and that's great. I don't think there should be, I don't like monopolies. Zoom challenges us, I mean, yeah, much bigger company, but like, we aspire to do what they did. When I read their S1, I was like, this is the most beautiful document I've ever seen. <laughs> this is why I'm doing what it is. It's a beautiful, well-run company that's going profitable, you know? Yeah. And right now, they probably look at us like, yep, cute Norwegian startup that no one has ever really heard of. 
But that's not true, we have millions of users, so if anything, it's like, yeah, I'm gonna be a little bit of a thorn in their side. And yeah. if they're not thinking about us, like... All the better. They will be soon, you know? That, that's <laughs> like, great, let's challenge each other. That's how you make great products. Let's, let's fight and let the market decide. What you feel uh, is in store for you in the next two to three years? What's the focus of a peer in? Yep, I need more resources, I need more people. So we're fundraising, you know, we're trying to start. We think it's a series A, although there's never was a seed round. So we're, we're not sure how to really kind of approach this. Uh, but yeah, we want to get the people and I want to really lean into more US. That's where most of our revenue is from anyway. I want us to become a truly global company and I want us to sort of still innovate in collaboration. So like one example, always people are like, can you do phone dial-in? And it's like, we don't get a lot of requests and that's maybe more of a legacy product. I would never add phone login or you know audio dial-in unless we innovated in that and made it super easy. You know, maybe the, it calls you and then everyone's connected and there's no fuss, no muss. So that's what we're still gonna push on, like making it easier to collaborate, making the experience joyful. I mean, yeah. So um, do, you, do you guys all work out of a, uh, the same office in Oslo, most of you? Or are you all working yeah. from different places? Oslo is the main headquarters. It's where most people are. I would say 12 to 14 or so are in that office. Yep. We have office also on the west coast of Norway, Sweden, Spain, Argentina, and then two in America as well. So we're still, we're remote. You know? And they're we, like one or two people in the other, they're working remotely, yes. right? Yeah, yeah, so you have a hybrid setup, basically, at this stage. If you look two or three years out, uh, would you see yourselves of having one or two big co-located offices in the US? Or would you have different individuals? Uh, you know, do you see yourself going that distributed model more? Or, or multiple co-located? Uh, yeah, it's a, a really, really good question. And I'm not sure we figured it out, to be honest. Okay. But that's what challenges us to how do we have an inclusive company that's spread out and distributed. That's what's driving us right now. Because you would be one of the empowerers of uh, you know, this inevitable evolution towards, in the case of most companies, a more hybrid approach. At the moment, your big focus really is small and medium-sized companies. I often think, uh, which is because you're still in revenue terms, although you're, you're growing fast, in revenue terms you're still kind of a young company in, yep. in that sense. So I'm sure that's connected to that. Would you see a big advantage in the fact that you're, you're rolling out lots of projects to lots of different companies and, and learning a lot and learning perhaps a lot faster that way? Yeah, it's very much like Skype. I'm oh, no, sorry, not Skype. It's very much like Slack where it starts bottom up and it yep. starts in one team. And really what happened is we'd look up some companies, Home Depot, McKenzie, different companies were like, why do they have 12 different accounts, paid accounts? Yeah. Let's just bring them all into one account. It actually yeah. will be net cheaper for them. And yes. then they're not managing multiple accounts as well too. Yeah. So we just kind of look at the data and try to understand that as well. But yeah, it's also really hard to build a product on $10 a month. Yes. Now, Spotify has done it really well. But when you think about Spotify, you get daily value. You use it every day, multiple times a day. You don't always have video meetings every day. So. I don't know, I think we did the classic what happens with SaaS companies where they get strong product market fit and then the price goes up by 10. Yeah. And you get more features and you're going for larger as well too. We always love working with freelancers, consultants, it'll always be probably the majority of our users or volume. Okay. Um, but like we take the learnings of how they work and kind of to lean into what you're mentioning here about how organizations are changing, how they're more distributed and more, re more remote. How do we bring those learnings from those very remote, those digital nomads living on the edge, traveling half the year, how do we sort of take what they're doing and then help infuse that into a larger company like McKinsey, which is distributed when you think about it, maybe like long-term distributed. They've been long distributed for a long time. They, they have, have offices in every major city. They have. And you know, it's a question of how much do they overlap and work together too. So 
I mean, we're just learning on both sides. And, and that's the great thing I love about SaaS and just like software in general and having, being lucky enough to have millions of users, you can learn and test incredibly fast. And you, you, you were talking when we were chatting downstairs earlier, uh, you have an, uh, an employee and I think she's written an excellent document on, on the onboarding or collaboration side. Tell, remind me a little bit about, about that. You were yeah, because this is what we're also trying to figure out. We just hired a woman in Argentina and how does she get to know a company? It's 30 people, they're all over the world, time zones as well. And so we're going to publish and share uh, as part of like Norwegian values, transparency is a big one of that. So we're very transparent with our organization, sharing everything, financials, details, what's going on. What everybody earns? We don't do that actually. <laughs> I Although, know a couple of companies who yeah, do that. Yeah, <laughs> Buffer does that. Although in Norway, you can look up anyone if you want. So it's yeah. a very transparent society yeah. as well. So, but we thought about like, how do we make her feel included? Like that's a big thing, inclusiveness. We have a few values, inclusiveness is one of them. And that's not just in terms of like gender or racial diversity. That's actually like, if you're not in the office, how do you feel like you're part of this? So that means in Norway, we do a lot of stuff late in the afternoon because that's the morning of America, you know? So we're ensure that we have this overlap. We do a hackathon, we make sure that our remote people are dialing in remote and part of the hackathon and watching and feeling like they're part of it too. So we've actually built a schedule, a framework, a format for meetings, a format for introducing the culture and the values to a new employee. But we're still learning, we're still figuring it out. Um, but yeah, we're gonna share that. It'll be on the Appearing blog, I think, next week. Now while we're on the subject of the Nordics, which is subject will be on a lot because you've been because you're living there you've got one of the coolest background images on your LinkedIn profile uh, I noticed an image from <laughs> Swedish artist uh, Simon Stallenhag yes and he creates those futuristic images as well some interesting music uh, but those images are kind of this modern maybe dystopia but no, dystopian. But, yeah. but but in in kind of a Swedish uh, but certainly futuristic in a Swedish rural environment one thing I do notice uh, about entrepreneurs uh, at your level is that uh, some of them get so sucked into what they're doing they have very little time to get into the arts and actually a lot of them read a lot less than people would imagine um, do you make time for that kind of cultural side and, and mm. that learning side outside of the business kind of structured stuff it's a great question I'm really surprised you recognize that I, I guess maybe some geeks know who he is but uh, <laughs> I learned about him and then I learned that he was Swedish and then I looked deeper and I got his book and some paintings he's done and just like yeah, I love it because it's like I love it when you're like mixing mediums and he's mixing like sometimes retro technology with almost like a alien organic components and you chose the one with the, sa the samurai kind of like a, he looked yeah. like he looks like a ghostly samurai from a, a Japanese story because the Japanese love horror stories and ghost stories long before the movies today they always have them um, do you have an interest in, in and you mentioned them early in Japanese culture as well a little bit I've never been though to be honest okay yeah, I've okay. never been so I don't think I really understand it or, or have actually seen it with my own eyes but I don't know, I think like that image, if you look at my homepage, you'll see a man staring at a sword. Uh, I think that early on I was told these stories of, my last name is Percival, and I was told stories of Sir Percival and his quest for the grail. Uh, and I think there's a lot of parallels there to like startups and founders and this journey of finding your purpose and creating something of value. Yeah, you have a team, but a lot of times it's like this personal journey of accomplishing something. So I think there's some overlap there. But to your earlier question, of like, do you make enough time to read and do these other things? The answer is I don't, but I do actually sort of embrace the arts. And every time I'm in a museum or the city, I make sure I go check out the local museum and really kind of understand and take it in. So I drag my girlfriend to all these museums. She likes half of that. <laughs> um, but I don't have enough time to read. And what I've started to do this year, though, is I'm trying to unbreak my brain from social media because you don't read if you're hitting refresh on Instagram all day long. 
it actually drains your energy and that has replaced reading for so many people. So what I've done now is I've removed all the social media apps from my phone. Very if cool. I'm on the bus, I'm looking out the window and like I'm starting that and I'm starting audiobooks because I got to the point where I realized I was like, oh, I don't think I've read a book in two or three years, not a single book. And you brought up some great books earlier and I was like, I know that book is out there. I know it exists. <laughs> I know who wrote it. I know the title. And I wish I had made time to read it too. So I'm, I'm trying to unbreak my brain from what social media has done to get me back into that mode of more absorption. You know, I'm sure I have some experience and I've done a few tours of duty, but it's like, I'm not beyond learning new stuff. And I miss it. I, I miss having those aha moments. You yeah, know? And, yeah. And I'm trying to think of the last time it was, and it was probably like an older Malcolm Gladwell book. Uh, so it's like, it's been years. I want those moments again. Well, yeah. if you, uh, that's one of the cool things about podcasts, actually. I have to say, I love Mark and Gladwell's mm. revolutionist histories. If you haven't heard those yet, yeah. have a listen into them. Mm. Uh, they're, and, you know, he's a, he's, a, he's a real culture vulture as well. But th that's, an, you know, I guess I, I, a lot of the books I, I, I read these days, I listen to, to be honest. I listen to a lot yeah. of audiobooks. I want to get to that too. So I'm, I'm just starting, literally just installed Audible. <laughs> but it doesn't show that, yeah. because you're, you, you've yeah. such a varied and colorful background that uh, obviously you, you, you've taken just a lot from, from just interacting with people doing stuff anyway. I mean, that's cultural stuff as well. It is. But like for other further background, I mostly used to read like very sci-fi, Asimov. Uh, yeah, you know, Douglas Adams, you know, this yeah, type of yeah, stuff, yeah. His Hitchhiker's Guide. Cool, you know, like, cool. Like, this is mostly what I was really, really into. Do you have parts of your day that are that are routine? Have you worked to kind of a, are the things that you make sure you do every day, or, or is it pretty varied? No, I, I definitely don't have of like a list of like all those great lists of this is what a smart person does before 5 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> so I, I definitely don't have that, I, that's for sure. Um, and so, but I've also been trying to re, because when I lived in America, I lived in Silicon Valley, uh, life was work and work was life and it never really stopped. And so I was like, came home, had a bit of dinner, like kiss the kid, kiss the wife, and then like right back to work. <laughs> Don't do that anymore. And I had to literally take myself out of the element. And so like one thing I don't do is I don't do emails at night. You know, Very I don't good. sit there. I just try and actually enjoy a moment. I watch a lot of moves, movies and film. Uh, I play Fortnite and silly things just to like unwind as well too. But like, that's one thing the Nordics has really helped to me is like, you know what? The emails can wait. Yeah. Everyone's like too obsessed with being busy and hustling. And it's like, trust me, those emails don't go anywhere. <laughs> They're still there the next day. And it's like, you don't have to jump on something as well. So it, I've been trying to still kind of like reduce and just like, Evening is quality time, you know, I'm with my partner, we're relaxing, we're just like enjoying time, you know, we're not obsessing over what's happening the next day. So this, this is a big part of like Nordic culture, helping to like break some bad American habits. In the concluding episode of our five part mini-series, Sean will talk about why innovating around something you've got a passion for is preferable to building something in a domain just because it's trendy. He embraces the fact that he doesn't speak Norwegian to reduce information overload, and he expresses a burning desire to become a writer and advises entrepreneurs to focus on doing one small thing with excellence. You've been listening to 14 Minutes of SaaS. Thanks to Mike Quill, for his creativity and problem-solving skills, and to Ketsu for the music. This episode was brought to you by me, Stephen Cummins. If you enjoyed the podcast, please don't forget to share it with your network, subscribe to the series, and give the show a rating.